0: I'm not just going to slack away at it. My name is Sandy weaver Carmen, president of Voice Work On Demand, a full-service audio production company. I first met T.W. Lawrence several years before his fiction was published by Lucembach Press. He was only then beginning to craft his wonderful Western-themed stories that touch the heart and make the reader reflect on what's really important in life. As the producer of the audio versions of his stories, I get to read the narratives before the rest of my team sees them and they get recorded. This is fun. It's almost like unwrapping all the presents on Christmas morning to see what's in the boxes and then wrapping them back up so others can be surprised. Dusty and the Cowboy is a trilogy that follows the unnamed cowhand, the man just known as Cowboy, on his journey up the trail from Texas in the 1880s. Cowboy and his horse, Dusty, travel north as the rider deals with changes in his life after the big cattle drives have ended. He searches for what he'll do next. Little does he know that this trip will change him from the man he was to become the man he was meant to be. This series is Christian historical fiction, best described as, he asked God's help, makes a lot of noise, got a journey, and found himself. Each book of the trilogy reflects the three stories in each. Oops, didn't read that right. Each book of the trilogy reflects the three stories in each Christian's life life before knowing Jesus, committing to Christ, and life after knowing the Savior. Respectively, the books are subtitled Lord Show Me the Way, Rendezvous, and Coming Home. Let's bring in T.W. Lawrence to share some of his insights about these stories. How are you doing today, T.W.? It's on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought you turned it off.
0: I had, but I turned it back on again.
1: I'm doing fine, Sandy. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being willing to share your insight and chat with us today. Now that I have you here in the studio, right in front of a microphone, I want to ask some questions that have been on my mind as I've been working with you on your projects. Okay. First of all, how did you come up with the characters of the cowboy and his horse? Or did you come up with the story first or the characters first?
1: Actually, I came up with the story first. As you know, I'm from Texas. I grew up in the San Antonio era. Um... All my life, I've been around livestock. My dad was a veterinarian, big animals, horses, cattle, and I went to the rodeos every year. So it was natural for me to write about cowboys because they were so much a part of my imagination back then. And so when I decided, as I was writing what then was the 12th story in an anthology in another book, the story just called Dusty, I wanted it to be a cowboy story. I also wanted to be set in the Old West. And because I wanted it to be an engaging story, I wanted the cowboy to have to struggle with something. In this case, it was the dilemma of which path do I take, the high road or the low road, Mm -hmm. essentially. And so that's what began it. Had a cowboy. Cowboy has to have a horse. He gets off the horse and the story begins.
0: It's really very cool. Now, you haven't always been a writer. I'm going to throw you a curveball here, um, and if you don't want to go this direction, that's fine. You haven't always been a writer. How did you? How did you come to discover your talent as a writer?
1: Well, I I'm a CPA by trade. Uh, my wife told me one day she was also a CPA. She said, "You know, you're really not one of us. You're not a CPA." And I said. <laughs> nice I, words
0: from your wife that's
1: well i passed the same test you did she goes no <laughs> you you can handle that part of it but your heart's not in you really in the uh in the overstructure. you like to create the systems not audit the systems mm-hmm. and so that made me reflect on uh the adventures i'd had uh, in my career and that i got to do a lot of writing because of my talent and mm-hmm. i, I ghost uh, wrote for one of the VPs at a very large utility company here in, uh, in the Southeast, and things like that. And people have always enjoyed it, and uh, I've made money selling articles and things. But basically, with my, lit- my midlife crisis was to go back to school and get a master's in arts degree specifically in writing and pursue uh, pursue that. As an undergraduate, I was an English major, so it fit.
0: Okay. So words have always been your passion, and creativity has always been something that bubbled up inside you.
1: Yes, words especially. I, I listen to words, how people use words, mm-hmm. how people don't use words, how mm-hmm. they pronounce them, their choice of words. It's always the origin of words. Words have been very fascinating to me.
0: You're one of those people like me who can get lost in a dictionary? Go look something up, and two hours later, you're still reading about other words that you never heard before?
1: Yes. The problem with the dictionary is it's hard to follow the plot.
0: That's very true. All right. Back to Dusty and his cowboy. You wrote that first story about Dusty. How did that turn into a series? What happened to make that become bigger than you thought it was to start with?
1: Well, as I mentioned, it uh, it was actually the second story, the shortest story in an anthology I had done specifically about Texas. And while I was proud of it as I was the other stories, it seemed to resonate much more and got more, at least, visceral reaction from the readers that I heard from. They would say things like, okay, we know that's just the opening, the first chapter. Where's the rest of the novel? And, of course, at at that time, there was no rest of the story.
0: And other people said— Hang on just a minute. I hate to interrupt you because I know you're on a roll. Get the microphone more here. You're talking with it here, and I'm afraid that's not going to sound good, so get it okay. more here. There, that's good. People it? were people oh. people were wondering where the rest of the story was, where the rest of the novel was.
1: People, when they found out that that was the sum total of Dusty and the Cowboys saga, they said, well, sit down and write some more. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt compelled to it. And once I had written the second story, story called Biscuits, I knew that it could be more than it was just two stories strung together. And I sat down as though it were a novel and created the story arc through the trilogy. Uh, And I'm writing it, you know, one chapter, one story at a time. Mm
0: -hmm. Why doesn't your main character have a name?
1: Well, as I said, when I wrote the first story, I had no intention at that time of, of having anything subsequent to it. The story was so short that it wasn't necessary to give him a name. Mm -hmm. And so he was just referred to as the cowboy. And when I wrote the second story, Biscuits, I went down to write and say, oh, uh, cowboy's name goes here. And I discovered there is no cowboy's name to go here. So I contemplated that for a while, talked to a couple of my trusted writing advisors, and we decided that there was more power in leaving the cowboy unnamed, rather than giving him a name that people can say, oh, well, I know a Bob in my life, and so he's like this. Right. The second thing is, as I knew from growing up, but also I've done a lot of research on this, which has been half the fun, is that in the day, part of the cowboy code was that you did not ask a man his name Mm -hmm. because so many of them were on the run for various reasons. Uh, They actually had a term which is called a summer name, which is what you would tell people when you were amongst others. In the wintertime, you were usually hunkered down somewhere in a bunkhouse. But when you were out in town and and doing other things, the name that you gave publicly was your summer name, Mm -hmm. which most people knew was not your true name. So it was impolite to ask a name. Anyway, that was an element to it. And then it led me to believe I should come up with a really cool story for his back name, which I did, which it's not in any of the stories, it's in the back of my mind. And I can tell you that in the fifteenth story in the last paragraph, his name will be revealed.
0: That was my next question. Will we ever find yeah. out what cowboy's name is?
1: Yes, but I, I have I have some fun with it. For example, in, in Biscuits he he says he he discovers that he didn't know the other character's name even when he had given his own. Right. So the readers say okay, what is it? And in a story that is going to be in the second book, um, he gives a clue about what his last name is. So the reader, if they're following along, can kind of piece it together and not be surprised when they get to story 15. Cool,
0: okay. So now Dusty is the name of the cowboy's horse. Mm-hmm. It's also in the title. Do you consider Dusty to be a character in and of himself?
1: Yes, very much so. And of course, when, as I developed the series... It became obvious to me two things. One, because the cowboy had been used to riding up the trail with the cowherds, he spent a lot of time on a horse. Mm -hmm. Uh, A particular horse, they traded him off in the Riatas and, and that kind of thing. But there is a relationship a cowboy has with this horse, stereotyped in the old westerns and things, the girlfriend would say, you love your horse more than you love me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like an office worker. You spend more time right. with the horse than you do with your girlfriend. Right, And a lot of cowboys preferred to ride mares because they were easier to get along with than stallions, less uh, less difficult to handle. Right. So the term that a cowboy would have for his mare that he rode all the time is called a Donnie gal which basically means you're my horse slash girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And so there was that element to it. But Dusty really, as a character, serves as a mirror or a conscience to Cowboy. Cowboy talks to the horse as though he's talking into a mirror, and he— realizes at one level he's talking to himself and that when he comes to conclusions it's not because the horse led him there but he led himself there but the horse does give some behaviors that make you think that he has much more human understanding Mm -hmm. than otherwise but definitely a character and in book three he's actually the lead character in one of the stories the storyline revolves pretty much around his behavior
0: okay Can't wait to get there. Now, when does Cowboy figure out that he is not just looking for a new job?
1: Well, in the very first story, he's headed off to this mythical town called Cowtown uh, for reasons unknown. It turns out that he's going there to see one of his old pards, one of his old saddle pals that he rode up the trail with, a a mentor, really. Uh, And when he gets there, he discovers that that's not the end of the line. Mm -hmm. He has another place to go to. And then a third place to go to to complete this task that he realizes that, that he is really on. So it's really in the process of the journey he discovers that his original intention was—I won't say superficial—but it, it it was not the really driving motive. He didn't realize it until he had gone down the trail and had had some adventures and discovered that uh, this is what I'm really doing. I need to see this through. I need mm-hmm. to see the journey till, till it ends.
0: And how did the journey change him? Or how does it change him as he goes along?
1: Well, there's two ways. He gets changed as a person, as a man, and he also gets changed as a Christian. Um, and you can say that they're they're very closely aligned. In the course of the journey, when he gets to where he's going and deals with what he has to deal with, it does change him as one of the characters leading up to it the only lead female i have in it a character named emma she asks cowboy are you a christian and he replies sorta <laughs> and she says well what does that mean i thought you were or you weren't mm-hmm. and so that's the dilemma that cowboy has been facing and he he has to deal with it now that it's out on the open why am I not completely a Christian? And in the process of this journey, he completes himself and does become a complete Christian.
0: Now, do we get to see a little bit more of Emma? Because from a woman's point of view, I love your stories to start with, but from a woman's point of view, she's a great character.
1: Well, the uh, he made a promise to Emma at the end of the story that she was in, um, called Word Given, that... Uh, she, It's about promises being kept and promises being broken. Mm -hmm. And he promised that he would see her again when he came back to Texas from where he was going. And she said, will you make me that promise? And he says, well, in some ways it's an easy promise to keep because the only trail back to Texas is right by your house. So, yes, he does come back and we have – we get to see her a little bit older uh, and – and the characters from the first story will be there advanced a little bit in in their relationship.
0: Wonderful. Can't wait for that part. Now, why do you tell this? Because when you're describing the story arc, it sounds to me like you're talking about a novel or two or three books told in regular novel form. Why do you choose short stories over novels?
1: Um, It has to do with the delivery system. I had contemplated it, and maybe one day I'll take the 15 stories and smooth them out into... A novel and and get into more subplots and add to it. But my research indicated that people, the people that I'm trying to interest in reading the books, are not particularly literate. So you say, well, why are you writing then for people who can't read? Well, that's why you and I got together. Mm-hmm. It's because these stories lend themselves to be recorded and, and heard as audio. So There's two things about it. You can have a novel on audio, but you run into the same problem. People have busy lives and therefore shorter attention spans. And so when I first started writing, people would say, I like your stories because I can listen to a story start to end on a commute from home to office or back again. In other words, I don't have to keep track of all the various subplots and where I am when I put... When I put that CD back in that I haven't listened to. Not so these stories because the next track is the next story that stands alone. Mm -hmm. And so, which is what I wanted. Plus the adventures are set up. So there's a beginning, middle and end. And there's a uh, Christian lesson in each one. Mm -hmm. And if you consider them somewhat similar to uh, a sermon, I guess that's a, a, a close analogy. Although... They are written so that they proceed from one story to the other, and you can, the reader can see if they read them in, in sequence how they build on one another. However, if you read them individually, it would be equal. It would be, I think, equally satisfying.
0: Sort of like the chicken soup theory: pick it up and put it down. Exactly. Could I ask you to say one thing differently? Um, would you be willing to say that the people that that are your intended audience for this book, and we'll get into the intended audience part next. Um, that the people that you've written this for are not really big novel readers. Instead of saying that they're not very literate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do
1: you want me to do the question
0: again? Um, it, we don't have to do the whole thing again, but but just say something along the lines of, um, well, you know, I think the people who are are going to love these stories and who I really am writing these writing this series for are are not big readers of novels.
1: Okay. Um. As I have been going along and doing some of the research and talking to the people that I want to read the stories, I've discovered that as a whole, they're not particularly the kind of folks that, that read novels. They prefer pieces that are shorter. So the stories being short stories and have a, having uh, an airtime when we do the recordings of 17 minutes on average, that's perfectly fine for them.
0: Perfect. And I'll just pick that back up and put it back in. Who is your audience, TW?
1: The it started out being just me, <laughs> <laughs> but I figured that was that was not uh, good for the kind of satisfaction I want. As I began to uh, put it out there, it gravitated towards people who like westerns, uh, people from Texas, people from the Southwest. Uh, but then as part of the, uh, my writing journey, I was led to and didn't know anything about until I, I really started this, the, um, the cowboy churches and the people who go to the cowboy churches. And I discovered that there's a cowboy church about 40 miles north of where I live, and I have been going up there and, and seeing what, what they're all about. And the people that um, use that construct – as a means of dealing with their Christianity are completely fascinating to me. There are people that are more comfortable literally in the services I attend in a barn than being in a traditional bricks and mortar uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, a cats and a dog wander around while the sermon's being given that you can scratch. They're actually looking for food. And I was thinking, wow, in my church, you, you wouldn't see this. It's, right. it's just a different way. It's... It's very fundamental, basic uh, Christian tenets that are being taught by a series of preachers that come through there. And I just resonate with those people, and I said, this is who I want to write for. As a matter of fact, at the church I went to, they have a very large contention of uh, young girls, ages 8 to 17, that ride the horses and put on pageants and dances and that kind of stuff. And that's when I first started developing the female character, mm-hmm. of Emma because as a as an homage to them and the work that they do, I thought um, can't write all this stuff just for guys. And besides that, you know, women in the West were very strong characters, mm-hmm. um, sometimes much so more so than the men were. And so it it fit. And so those are the people that I'm I'm primarily trying to reach. However, I have found out that uh, some people that have acquired the book through various means are using it because it's episodic to read it as bedtime stories for their kids, which I, I find fascinating. How wonderful is that? Yes, they all they all like uh, they all like Dusty.
0: Bible studies disguised as wonderful Western stories.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: What else does it, should what else should the reader of your series of books know?
1: <sighs> they should know that everybody is on his or her own journey whether we want to admit it or not and that the questions that we deal with today might seem that they're the over overarching concern and obstacle in our life uh, but if we progress not so much they, they can be dealt with that um, discovery Work, um, divine intervention, or plan—all figures into this. An example that I use uh, with my own family is: I talk about when when people are upset about something, particularly with another person, and it's you know, it's just the most catastrophic thing that can happen. Right? And I drama, drama, drama. Yes, and I say, when you were in high school to my stepdaughters, I said, when you were in high school, who was the person that you had the toughest dealings with, the bully or the person you didn't like or the person who was always showing you up? And they had a name. And so I would say, okay, where is this person now? Well, I don't know. I said, remember when you were 18, that was the most important thing in your life, it dominated your life, and now you couldn't even care about it? Mm-hmm. I said, same thing will happen right? Uh, with this. You just have to pick up and go on. The um, the other thing is that for those of us who grew up with cowboys on TV, Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, and the like, each one of those uh, characters had his own cowboy code. They're printed. You can find them on the Internet. And the codes run very parallel to basic Christian doctrine. And so if, if people were to live their lives so that they followed the cowboy code – living their lives following Christian doctrine is not much different. And so it's to me, it's a way to uh, impart those notions in an entertaining way, as I say in, in in one of my introductions, that you can be entertained by this story, put it down and just say, Okay, that was a that was a decent cowboy story. You can also read it through and say, I like that story, but wow what Cowboy said there at the end, and then they get into it. I had a a preacher, as a matter of fact, one of them that uh, gave a sermon at the Cowboy Church said, I like your stories because everybody wants to be a cowboy. And because of that, when they read these stories, they talk about these stories. Mm -hmm. And if I can get a person talking, I can find out what's bothering them, and I can minister to that. So if nothing else, getting people to talk and open up, then the role I was meant to serve by writing them has been fulfilled.
0: T.W. Lawrence, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Author of the Dusty and the Cowboy Trilogy. You are a blessing in a lot of people's lives. Thank you for that.
1: Thank you, Sandy.